Amen and amen. If you would now open up with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. Remember, for those of you who are here uh, with us, you're the only ones who have touched this Bible in seven days, and the virus does not live for seven days. And so, uh, even if you're not sitting in the same seat, uh, rest assured, you can pick up the Pew Bible in safety. Um, Having said that, those of you who are at home, uh, you might not have a Pew Bible, but I hope you do have your own Bible. Open up to 1 Kings 17. If not, the words will pop up on the screen when I get to reading. Um, By way of introduction, this is a part two. Uh, We we started with part one last week where we're looking at this widow of Zarephath. And uh, this widow, uh, it became apparent as we marched through uh, what God was revealing to us. She was a lost sheep. And we know from Jesus' own words that if there's one lost sheep that's really far away, well, that good shepherd goes, leaves the 99 and goes and finds that one and brings her home. And we saw that played out in a life. Um, God always gets his people. That's that main point. But the widow's story, her life continues just just like ours does. When, when the Lord works, it's not just a moment, right, where we say, oh, I believe in the Lord Jesus. Curtains close. No more need to talk, right? No, that's not how it works. There's a life to be lived, and we see that in this word. We see uh, something very difficult, actually, uh, in life, something that happens to us inevitably one way or the other. Almost every single person in this room and uh, worshiping with us on the live stream, I'm certain of it, have gone through this thing, and it's suffering. It's suffering. This morning's sermon, this word of God is always profitable, but I want to provide a word of warning. This sermon is meant uh, for someone who is currently not in the crisis of suffering. Uh, This sermon is meant for someone who, many years after the crisis of suffering, they're asking a question. Why? Why did that happen? If you are right in the middle and you are in the crisis of suffering, this word will be difficult. Uh, Your emotions, I'm certain of it, are raging rampant within you. Happiness and sadness, joy and depression, anger, It swells up, and sometimes things can be perceived in the wrong way. I've been there, and so I want you to prepare yourself. It is a word meant for you, and yet it may be more difficult if you find yourself uh, with the crosshair on you, for instance, uh, as we go to God's word. He does that sometimes. Maybe you've experienced it, but I simply wanted you to know, because the main point is this, because of God, suffering has meaning. Suffering has meaning. This world uh, that they would not answer, uh, the sinful world with no belief, has no answer for why suffering on the grand scale. They can answer uh, Mary Emmeline's fall down the hill. Why do you suffer? You ran downhill. You took a spill, right? Uh, But no, why pain? Why suffering? That is a bigger question. And the word addresses it this morning through a widow who loses not only her husband, but also her son. Let's pray, and we'll read this word, verses 17 through 24. But first, let's pray to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, bless this reading of your word. 
would you bless this weighty subject and topic? One that touches all of us in one way or the other at some point in time. And if we haven't yet felt it, God, it is coming, we know, from your word, you tell us. And so help us, God, help us to be prepared. We cannot prepare ourselves with this world's stuff. And yet you provide us with something supernatural, the full armor of God. And we see it here, Lord. We see it in your word. May we be uh, wrapped up in it by your Holy Spirit as this word is read today. In Jesus' name, amen. This is 1 Kings 17, starting with verse 17. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid him on his own bed. And he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, the one spoken of here by a widow in Sidon, it remains forever. Praise be to God. There are three points that I think will help us get a little closer to this main point. Because of God, suffering has meaning. These three points are as follows. The widow's response, Elijah's response, and then God's response, which, by the way, has within it the reason for suffering, the meaning. First, the widow's response. And Verses 17 and 18 quickly recall that this widow was outside of the people of God. I mentioned that as we were opening up the Bible. Uh, she is in Sidon, a country to the north of Israel. Israel is already an unbelieving country. It is God's people, but it is not Judah, which is the southern kingdom, where God's faithful administration of the monarchy is at least keeping some semblance of glue to this kind of shoddy, now broken people. Uh, so the Judah's down here where God is working mightily. Uh, Israel is here where God has not yet abandoned them because he sends his own prophet there, Elijah, right? And he'll send another as well, Elisha. Uh, so God is not done with his people in Israel, and yet in this moment, certainly because of judgment, uh, because of Israel's unbelief, he tells Elijah to keep going north, right, into that unbelieving country of Sidon, where uh, not only did they not care about God, but they were worshiping another little G-God, Baal. And we'll see Baal come up later in Elijah's life and his call uh, to follow after the Lord. And so this widow finds herself there, and she had no care at all for the Lord, but you know what? The Lord had care for her. 
Elijah, go. This widow's mine. I need you to do some stuff for her. And so he goes, and she's preserved through the whole drought, the only one in the whole world. It's remarkable. And we see this playing out as this uh, widow who is God's is scooped up. Country doesn't matter. Uh, gender doesn't matter. Nothing matters if you are God's because God is grabbing you and he's going to keep you and hold you. You can flee as far as you want. If you are the Lord's, the Lord is going to get you, right? That was last week. That's our context into verse 18 maybe is a good summation of the widow's response. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. That's her response to the suffering that just happened. Before we move on, because that's the response, right? That's our first point. We, we need to ground ourselves in the reality that suffering exists. Uh, this widow, uh, she was called by God. She was preserved with a miracle. That miracle, remember, is that she has enough bread uh, to survive, enough food, enough water. She's going to make it. Everybody else is, is beginning to starve, and, and she has this opportunity. And I bet you, though, this is outside of the Bible, so let me step outside of the pulpit, right? How about you? She's sharing that food that she has been given. And there is probably a community forming around such things. But nevertheless, here she is within this great miracle that's still going on, and her son dies. And do you remember what she told Elijah when she first met him? I'm picking up sticks to make my last meal because me and my son are about to die. I've got one little tiny piece of flour left. It's it. It's over. Me and my son are dead. In all likelihood, he's little because Elijah carries him, right? Elijah, he could be a strapping young man, but if you've ever tried to deadweight somebody over about 75 pounds, it gets even difficult for even the strong man. And so, uh, you know, in all likelihood, a, uh, a, a younger boy, and, and we see this response. But it tells us something. Just because you're a believer, just because the Lord is saying you are mine, does not remove you from the corruption and the pain and the brokenness and the suffering of this world. That actually doesn't exist because suffering is has permeated this world as it stands that's why jesus came that's why we have a hope of jesus coming again and we're not just content being here that's why this pandemic is getting on our nerves because it shouldn't be here right there is a moment where where we need to begin to realize that suffering exists and i'm so sorry if the christian church hasn't prepared you yet with that reality that belief in the Lord Jesus does not equate to no suffering. In fact, it will probably lead to more suffering because you have the answers that can establish and ground you and get you ready for the pains and the racks of this world. Suffering exists. And you know this already, though. Each and every one of you. You've already experienced it. Or you are experiencing it. Maybe you experienced that widow's anger, too. There's no other way to read it. What are, you, what are you doing, Elijah? You saved me just to kill my son? I mean, I thought you were a follower after the Lord, a prophet or something. And Is this what you had in store for me? But that's not where it stops. That is an important stopping point because we feel that. And that's where the world often stops. But let's continue as God continues to reveal his working. And this is in Elijah's response, verses 19 
20 and 21. Elijah even struggles with the concept of suffering here and elsewhere. Uh, For instance, if you want to think about an elsewhere moment, uh, Elijah tells God, well, he's the only one left. He's suffering uh, at the hands of Jezebel and Ahab. That's the king and queen in Israel, and they're trying to kill him. And what does Elijah tell God? I'm the only one left. What in the, what in the world are you doing, O oh God? How is this the plan, right? That is what Elijah kind of gets at. And so he struggles with this concept of suffering as well. And, and he does here, too. This, this struggle uh, of a prophet of God is important for us to see because it shows that spiritual maturity does not lessen the pain nor give us God's own knowledge on why some particular suffering event is happening in the first place. Uh, I've been asked a question like this. Maybe it's got, to be, it's got to be over 20 or 30 times, and I've only been an ordained minister for four years. Uh, why, why me? Why did this happen? <laughs> I don't know yet. I don't know the answer to that. I, I don't have God's knowledge on this. I, I, know, I know, dear Christian, that suffering exists, but I, I don't know. I don't have that answer. And neither did Elijah yet. Elijah didn't have that answer either. Verse 20, and he cried to the Lord. Uh, by the way, this was after he carried this child in his arms. Do you have the image? It's a tough one. Verse 20, and he he cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? The meaning of suffering can hardly ever be found in the midst of suffering itself. Let me say that again. The meaning of suffering can hardly ever be found in the midst of the suffering itself. Let me use an example from our own world. Uh, The riots that uh, blew up after uh, the death of George Floyd. Pain. Frustration. Anger. Sadness, and in the midst of the suffering, no answer is found. Only a widening gap between people on either side. Uh, That's a little example. Uh, We could personalize it a little as I mean in pain for us, because even as we are pained for such a difficult uh, travesty, uh, when when we personalize it in, uh, you think, why? Why did this happen? And if it's 10, 15, 20 minutes after and you're talking to me, no matter what my answer is, it's probably not going to comfort you as much as you want it to. The pain is too strong. But that is where we find ourselves usually thinking about this. We think that uh, we need the answer to suffering while we are suffering, when the reality is is that God is seeking to prepare us beforehand to know what it is to live this life. Uh, 
By the way, even from childhood, for those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are telling their children the realities of these things, not to force them out of childhood, but to force them into a, this is your life, and this is what's going to happen, right? Um, Here's suffering, and then we get over here, and it's also to answer that long-standing and deep pain as we wonder why in the world these things have happened. But here in the moment, if we are not prepared or if we are not in our right mind, it is so difficult. And yet this is where things can break, where our sin can flood in and where we need to be most, most aware of what in the world we're saying, doing, thinking, and believing and who it is that we're seeking to be comforted by or what it is we're seeking to be comforted by. The reason for suffering, it's deep. And when you are in the midst of the pain, it is dark. But God reveals his power over death and suffering. And we see that in our third point. God's response and the reason for suffering. It continues on in what he's doing here, verses 22 through 24. Verse 22, And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child came into him again. And he revived. What? A miracle has taken place. But here's the question. If the death of the son was not permanent, why kill him at all? Think about it. Why'd the son have to die? If God is in control, if God is good, the death of the son wasn't permanent. Why kill him? Why put the widow through that? Why put the son through that? That doesn't seem good. That's where the hang-up is, right? Even in Christendom, even for those who believe, this is a tough question, and it touches right to the heartstrings for so many of you, and it touched right there to the widow. But there's an answer. The reason for the suffering of the widow, her son's death, was that God might complete his work in her. Stick with me. Let me put it another way. What is the greater miracle here in our text this morning? Which one is it? Is it the resurrection of her son who had died? By the way, a temporal one. He will die again. Or is it the widow's completed belief and eternal life that has been wrought within the widow? Which is the greater miracle? It is most certainly the belief in the widow. We as human beings in the material world, thinking of our own family and children, so desperately want the greater miracle to be the resurrection of the Son. And yet, it is simply not true. Because the greater miracle is verse 24. And the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. Truth. That is eternal life. A work complete. A sheep brought home. A life in heaven. If you believe in the Lord Jesus, go find the widow of Zarephath. And the community, I bet, that is around her. Praise be to God. And yet... That is still difficult, right? 
Let me address it a little bit. This part of Elijah's ministry, it mirrors a part of Jesus's that we find in John chapter 11, the death of his friend, Lazarus. Uh, Do you all know that story? Lazarus? Many do. I'm the resurrection and the life. Well, some kind of forget the first part. (laughs) Uh, Jesus is kind of lounging around. Jesus, when I say lounging, means he's working somewhere else, right? Uh, And uh, what happens next? But people come and say, your friend Lazarus is very sick. You need to come. And Jesus says, I'll be there in a little while. He waits two, three, four days. And as he begins to go, he knows that Lazarus has already died. His disciples don't know that. Uh, And those come to meet him. They say, Lazarus is already dead. He says, that's okay, let's keep going. Uh, Who meets him next? Well, the sisters of Jesus, Martha first. (laughs) Where were you, Jesus? I called for you. I called for you and you didn't come. Martha, do you? Do you believe? Of course I believe. But you didn't come. You didn't come. Mary is the same way. Lord, Lord, you didn't come. I called for you. Isn't he your friend? Do you remember what Jesus did next? He wept, right? He wept. Everybody's weeping. And Jesus weeps too because he knows the pain. He knows the suffering. He would know it fully on the cross, and he already knew it. And he went. And why did he let Lazarus die? You can see it in the prayer at the end of John 11. If you're unfamiliar with the story, look it up. The Gospel of John, chapter 11. At the end, he prays, and he prays out loud, and he says, Oh, Lord, God, my Father, I'm saying this prayer out loud. I know you hear. I want everybody else to know just what in the world's going on. May you be glorified. Lazarus, get up and come out, right? And he did. He came out like a mummy. He had all that stuff on him, and he took it off, and he's alive. And he sits at table. We see it in the next chapter. Unbelievable miracle. But temporal. Lazarus would die again if he did not have belief in the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. There is a greater miracle to be seen, even in John chapter 11. This suffering in your life, this suffering maybe that you haven't experienced yet, maybe that you are or that you are thinking back on and it pains you every time you think about it, it's a black spot in your relationship with God, or if you're right in the middle of it and you're, you're furious with me right now, This suffering has meaning because God is good, God is in control, and God is seeking to fulfill a work in you, to complete a work in you, to show you something. Because God has revealed that there is meaning to this life because he is the one who is to be worshipped and praised and adored by you if you are his. And he will snatch you and grab you and bring you and reveal to you these things in due time. And that due time might not be until the other side of the veil. And yet for many of you, that's not the case. Here on earth, we can see just why God brought us through certain sufferings. Let me give you three applications. Just three. Please be prepared for suffering. The church, it is one of the greatest tragedies of the 21st century church 
that we do not prepare our people for suffering. Suffering is coming. Suffering is coming. Beware and be ready. Number two, if you are suffering right now, and these words anger, grieve, infuriate, depress, and every other emotion you might be feeling, God has given you room to do all of those things. Why don't you just go to the Psalms? Go to the Psalms and flip through until you find that emotion you're feeling. And I'm telling you that God has revealed to you how you can channel those things unto him. Do it. Go to the Psalms. And number three, if this is an answer to a long-asked question, a suffering that took place years or decades ago where you felt lost in the wilderness, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I have also a question for you. What is your testimony? What is your testimony now, dear Christian? Would you share it with others? Uh, you know, many of you, uh, we're a family here. You know. Uh, you know that Mary Emmeline was not my first daughter. You know, I had another one. And yet, in the moment, if I tried to talk about it, it wouldn't have been like this. But I have a testimony now. What is a testimony? It's a sure fact that I am testifying to of how God completed a work in me. Before and after Lily Elizabeth, I was not the same man. And the Spirit worked in me and readied me for the work of God in pulpit ministry. Fact. Testimony. The same, I am sure, is true. For many of you, but not all. Some may have to wait until after this life. And yet, to believe in the Lord Jesus is to see and to hope and to know that suffering is not meaningless, that we are not just a bunch of atoms and molecules combined in a life where uh, uh, it was just lived and we just happen to be some biological entities with a little bit more brain power and that we will pass on after a little bit longer and that this suffering you're feeling, well, uh, just has no meaning. Meaningless, your life. No. That is a lie of Satan in the world. There is meaning and there is a completion as God is working. But we have to look for it and we have to see it and we have to be ready to tell others about it. The hope of Jesus in us. This is what sharing our testimonies is about. This is what evangelism looks like. It's not just standing up on some street corner and me screaming at people telling them about Jesus. It can be that. But there's got to be more than that. Because Jesus didn't just stand there and scream at people. Jesus wept with people. Jesus raised people from the dead, not just because he thought, well, this would be nice, but that he might reveal who his God and Father is, who he is, and what he was doing, which was saving humanity, those who would believe in him. Because God so loved the world that he sent his son to do that. This suffering and broken world, he came to fix. We are in the in-between. Suffering exists, and yet we have a hope. We have a rock. His name is Jesus, and yet if you stand off of him and you wonder why this ground is so shaky, it is because you are not on the rock of Christ. It's tough, and yet I encourage you, look to this word, look to John 11, and see just why you might be suffering. Answer it for me. Share your testimony. Share it with others. God is so good. We see it here. Because of God, suffering has meaning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. I don't know how we thank you. 
and yet we can. This is tough, and it hurts, and it's hard, and, and yet you give us the answer to the hard stuff, unlike this world, and unlike this people of the world. Lord, would you help us to stay in your word, to stay in the light of Christ as we walk this life together. In Jesus' name, amen.